We're speaking with people that are sending a pulse through their industry. Pulse through their industry. If you want to be taken seriously, you have to be consistent. Have to be consistent. You got to keep the big picture that hey, we're changing the world. We're changing. The league presents Electric People. What's up, league? Welcome to Electric People. You asked for it. We're sitting down with the goat himself, Mr. Dave Madsen. What up, Dave? What's up, guys? How are you, dude? Good, man. Thanks for being here. For you guys that have not followed the solar industry for one second in the past five years, Dave is the current highest installer in the company. You are about to break a thousand installs. I checked the other day, you were four short. Where are you at now? Well, I am adding solar to my house, so my own home will be my thousandth install. No way. What? Yep. We have a secret surprise for you coming up too that we actually just recorded. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Really? Your house is going to be your 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 yeah, so today I get my 999th today and we're teeing up my my own house so that's Dude, that is awesome man. Well 1000 is that's a ton of solar. That's more than a lot of companies do. Um, Dave's average 60 plus installs a quarter. Um, all this while opening a market, becoming a director, having twins, um, buying homes, moving, uh, starting new markets. Uh, he's grown from being a sales rep to a director and is hailed as the goat of solar. It's all true, Dave. It sounds like a heavy intro, but it's all true. <laughs> I don't know about that. No, it is. It's, those are actual I feel facts. Like it's, I feel like it's getting to your head a little bit. <laughs> no, I, it actually, the goat term actually makes me feel a little, a little uncomfortable, you know? Really? But, uh... Well, how, how else would you describe it? I mean, it literally stands for greatest of all time, and who has done what you've done? Nobody. Yeah, I mean, I think... It's fun to reminisce. I think it's been it's been a fun road so far. Hopefully the you know, it's just the beginning. But I look at a lot of guys, I mean just sitting with you guys, I I would hardly consider myself the goat. I've sold a lot of accounts and have grown a lot in the industry, but there are a lot of guys out there that have done so much. Well, we consider you the goat, so All right. I'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're pretty it's you know what when it when you know that you're this is for me when it really hits home, is when we're on calls and we're talking about setting up company incentives, company tournaments. We, it's like when Tiger was just crushing everybody back in the early 2000s, and they were changing courses to tiger-proof them, right? <laughs> so we have to do that with our company incentives with Dave. We have to somehow Dave-proof. <laughs> change the rules. The incentive. Otherwise, because the problem is if, if it's not Dave-proof, then everybody else disengages because they, they're just like, well, if Dave's in it, then. Um, to make you uncomfortable for just another second, I'm asking this question seriously. I'm not trying okay. to stroke your ego, but um, Adam and I always say on this podcast that we're such fans of direct sales. I just, I'm, maybe because you know it, it's the only thing I really know that, that intrinsically, I guess, but how does it feel to be the best in the world at something? Because you literally are. Like, of all the people that play in this game, you're the very best. And I think no matter what your sport or skill or art is, that's a tremendous accomplishment. I know it's something you take seriously. I, yeah, I definitely do. I think that's one of the reasons why I love this job so much is I think you can't just rest on what you did yesterday or the day before. So I think what I enjoy the most about the job is I've set a standard for myself and I take that very seriously, you know? And so when I wake up the next day, I can't just rest on the fact that I had a bunch of installs a couple of years ago or last quarter or whatever. So I, I take it seriously when I get up every day that I gotta bring my A game today because if I have any chance of maintaining this standard that's a fairly high standard and something I take serious, I know I have to give it my all every day. Is your, is your standard like a, a place in the, on the leaderboard or is it a certain amount of installs? Or I mean, you have a bunch of different responsibilities now. Yeah, I think... That's a good question. I think the way that I um, define that standard is, to me, it's effort-based more than anything else because I know if I'm giving it my all, the result will be a certain number of installs in a certain place on the leaderboard. Yeah. Um, and so I think, I don't know, I think something that maybe has been instilled in me since I was little is, you know, if you're going to do something, you may as well just be the best at it, especially if it's something that you're going to dedicate your livelihood to and your career to. And so um, I've kind of been that way my whole life. If I'm going to do something, I don't really, if I suck at it, then I like golf. I'm, that's why I don't golf much. You're you know? actually not a bad golfer. And people usually say that to me. <laughs> now I'm having the chance to give you an experience. Because I always say I suck at golf and I was like, you're not terrible. 
Uh, you're not terrible at golf, but you don't well, spend the time playing. Yeah. No, I don't spend the time. And so I think, I just think if you're going to dedicate, uh, you dedicate your time to something, you may as well be all in two feet and, and give it everything that you have. And so I take a lot of pride in that standard that I have for myself. It's, it's funny because we talk about competition and there are probably some people out there that think I'm extremely competitive. There are probably some people close to me that would say they would define that competition differently. And I think, you know, personally, yeah, I mean, it feels good to win, right? It feels good to be successful. Uh, but for me, I'm so competitive with where I am in regards to that standard that I have for myself, right? And so if I know that my standard is here, anything less than that means I didn't give it, I didn't push myself to the max. I think that's a common thing that we see in a lot of people that we've interviewed is it's, uh, I think the desire to, to destroy that person ahead of you only gets you so far, but I think when you're, you, when you're competing to be consistent with your values that you can sustain it a lot longer. Well, yeah. the, the catch in the one guy ahead of you is emotional. Right, and the emotion wears off, and when distractions come, it can affect the emotion or it can tone down the emotion. But it's the conviction of a standard that you've set for yourself that's a more true anchor that like anchors you into the commitment that you've made. Right? Yeah. We just interviewed Jesse Itzler, and one of the things that he kept saying is people want to feel a certain way. Which we, I mean, sales, right? Like, it's not about the deal; it's about the feel. They want to. They want to feel a certain way. Some people feel great saving $3. Some people feel great barely saving, breaking even. And some people don't feel great saving 50%. Um, but I think that, I, I think I understand that, you know, because one of my values is hard work. And if I don't feel like I'm working hard, I don't like the way I feel. Yeah, and it's, it's kind of hard to articulate, but it's so much a part of me, you know? Like, whatever. From, from, from the moment that I wake up in the morning to the moment I go to bed, there's kind of certain standards that I have throughout the day and there's nothing that bothers me more than okay my standard is I'm up by you know six o'clock or whatever that's when I start my day and then after that I do you know I immediately want to get to the gym shoot some shoot some hoops or whatever go through some type of an exercise and if I if I deviate from that it's really hard for me because I feel like man like I could have done that why did I choose the easy way or mm -hmm. whatever and so I think that's that's something that's kind of defined the way that I live my life is I know what my standard is and it's very clear to me, right? Sometimes it's hard to articulate, but it's very clear to me what my standard is. And if I ever deviate even a little bit from that, uh, it really gets to me. So when it comes to personal production and growing teams and growing regions and stuff, I know, I know where I need to be. And certainly you aspire to grow and get better and better and better but you have minimum expectations for yourself. And so that, that, that's something that, could drive, that can drive me mad. I mean, that's why I don't take a lot of time off, don't take a lot of vacations and stuff, because I mean, I've learned better over time to, to be able to enjoy the moment and kind of disengage and stuff from this and be all in there. And that's taken some time. Four years ago, it was a lot harder for me. Four years ago, I was actually listening just the other day to a podcast that, that I did four years ago. And in that podcast, I said that if I'm, if I'm not at work, like I start feeling the itch and, and it, it's hard for me to actually enjoy where I'm at. And I've, I've come a long way there where I think it comes with parenthood and, and just growing up and maturing and stuff. And so I'm, I'm, I'm a lot better now at being able to be where I'm supposed to be and enjoy the moment. But I know that if I'm not giving it my all in that situation, or I'm not living up to my standard there, then I'm pretty hard on myself. And so I just try to not lever, ever let it get, you know, ever get to that point. Mm -hmm. So even like this week, I, I, I knew that I had a lot of travel, you know, office interviews, you know, come to corporate, I had a lot of stuff. And I knew that if I didn't hit my standard, my production standard and, and, and some of the other things that I have, some roles I have in the region before I leave, I'd be letting other people down, not just myself. And that's something we don't maybe focus on a lot. Like as, as salespeople might, we might just think whatever it's on me. Like maybe I, I missed the standard for myself, but that doesn't have any bearing on other people, but that's not true. Like that's, there's a disconnect there. Every, every time we make a decision, we're affecting more people than we know. Mm -hmm. 
And, and that is, that is something that's, that becomes clearer and clearer to me every day. It's, it, we talk about Itzler, he, you know, he says, remember tomorrow, every time you make a decision, remember the Isn't that awesome? Tomorrow. Yeah. So I think that is so powerful. So I think about that. Um, every decision we make, man, from our family to our friends, to our coworkers, I mean, we take a lot of pride in what we do and any decision we make significantly impacts more people than, than we even understand. And that's becoming, uh, you know, more and more clear to me. And that's why I think maintaining that standard we have for ourselves and maintaining a high standard is so important. So you started out with us as a sales rep and then you got promoted to be a manager, now director, but your, your personal performance production has relatively stayed the same. I mean, you were cranking when you first came with us. And maybe it's tapered off a little bit um, from where you very first started, but you're still the number one rep in the company, right? So last year you were the number one rep in the company, 236 installs. And um, I think the common, the common, um, I guess, like train of thought we see a lot of guys fall into is as they take on more responsibility, they view it as sort they view it as like a trading well, I'm going to have to sacrifice some personal production in order to really magnify this new position that I have. And then we added on the director, plus you're the main DM over your office, or, or I don't know if, the, uh, you know, you're one of the main DMs over your office, plus direct over several teams, mm-hmm. but your personal production still stayed the same. How have you not allowed yourself to give in to that sort of mentality of giving up one thing to do something else? Yeah, I mean, I think you hear that a lot, right? And actually, you hear it even from, you know, sales reps saying, like, you know, I, I, I closed CADs today. You know, it's my CAD day or it's my AC day when really it should be a both day. And I think, I think that's just a story we tell ourselves sometimes is, um, you know, I have to focus on this thing. That's why I didn't do this thing. And to me, that is a fallacy to in every sense of the word. Well, I think your core self knows, right? So back yeah, you to know. your feeling of like, I don't like the way that feels. You're, even if the people around you accept the excuse, you don't, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I think, there, I guess there's an art to that, you know, to know, to being able to wear all the hats and, and define the importance and prioritize and ensure that you're giving attention to all those different aspects every single but, day. But the thing is, say you just decided to really taper down your selling. Yeah. Um, no one would really say anything to you. So like, I feel like for you to keep your personal production that high, because you're a director and most of you know the directors aren't performing at the same level you're at personally, right? Mm-hmm. So if you weren't, I don't think anyone would really have a whole lot to say, yeah. but you choose not to. Yeah, I choose not to. And I think a lot of that just comes back to what we were talking about before about our personal standard. I think the reason why I'm so passionate about being on the doors and in the field with the guys every single day is it just keeps me sharp. It, it keeps me on top. And, um, you know, I feel like one of my roles in the company has been to inspire through production what's what's possible. So I love having somebody on my right side or on my left one day and show them the ropes. And it really keeps me sharp and engaged. I mean, talk about being battle tested when you have to be out in the field, seeing what everybody else is seeing, seeing and dealing with everything else that they're dealing with and, and all the emotions that come with that and the cancellations and the, and the, you know, the abrasive people and all that stuff. I think it's, to me, it's helped me progress in the company because, um, I can manage setbacks a lot better and, um, and, 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 and power through those, not have them really get to me. Um, so that's why that's a personal decision that I've made is to maintain that standard and not allow that to affect the other responsibilities that are really, really important to me. I mean, if I, if I had to, you know, put all my time onto the doors, the expense of the office in the region and, and those two things were not in order, like those houses were not in order, then, then yeah, I would have to taper off some volume and stuff like that. And so I think over time, my schedules had to change a little bit. I've become more and more efficient on the doors, but I don't want that to interfere with the other responsibilities that I have. Don't want to let other people down. And, and, and that's, that's honestly what gives me the most energy. I used to be a production only 
mindset, you know, like insecurity back in the days. Which is interesting because I knew Dave back then. Mm -hmm. uh, I used to come visit your office and it was, uh, every time I think of that, I think of Alabama or Mississippi or wherever we yeah. were at the time and Dave had shingles in the summer. Oh gosh. You ever had shingles, Adam? Nope. You ever seen a man with shingles? Yeah, I it know is, someone with shingles right now. I'm it's not going to say his name, but it's you all violent. know. It's violent. Yeah. I feel like I experienced it with Dave and I have no idea what it feels like, but I saw it. Anyway, but I think of that because Dave was uh, awesome to work with, but not interested in coming to the meetings, not interested in strategizing on how to grow the team, not interested in recruiting. It was... Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like I was a guy that was fun to be around and I loved being around the guys and stuff. And, and I pride myself on being that positive attitude and the guy that hopefully brings some energy to the room. But yeah, I mean, off season, Tuesday night trainings and stuff like that, like I had no interest in that. I recruited at the beginning, you know, I, I went out my first year in security and did really well. Uh, I, I took five to seven buddies with me my very first year. And so my second year, I built a team of 30, 40 reps, and that's you know really all I did. And then after that experience, it just kind of went back down to, well, I'll take my core buddies, mm -hmm. and I'm just going to produce. And so I disappeared. You know, I'd go sell during the summer, and then I would check out. And you know, come next summer, I'd I'd, I'd get back on you know the train and head out again. Come, but come looking for the team around March. Come <laughs> looking for the team around March. Find so the, stressful. Find the tribe yeah. again. So Sweet. stressful, dude. I yeah. remember because it's like, well, are we gonna get Dave again? Well, I don't know. He's he hasn't signed his. I was always the last guy to sign the contract. <laughs> you know, um, it's like th those whole you got to sign the contract to come to this event thing never worked for me. <laughs> to so get your point. They back. had to hunt me down. Yeah. Well, but I go ahead. I wanted to get, um, and I know Ty, probably you have somewhere you wanted to go next, but I. The hey, transition, I'm, I'm right here, man. The transition right you here. made to solar, the first quarter you were with us, right? Uh, or no, t tell, tell us about the 100, it's 117 mm -hmm. in a quarter. Yeah. Was it your first quarter with us? Yeah, so I started. And we have a lot of guys that work for us now. I would say the bulk of the company that works for us today wasn't here when that, yeah, that happened. Was 2014. So, so yeah. I want to relive that just for a minute to kind of catch everybody up what happened. Okay, well, buckle up, and if you're driving to area, maybe give this one the 15 minutes it deserves because this is the story. This is a piece of history that the people should know. Yeah. The, these are, I, I actually, in the quiet hours, the power hour, you know, occasionally I'll, I'll think about this. This was a, a, a fun time in my life, but I remember, you know, I put, I put six years in, insecurity and it was just about you know i'm gonna get mine you know it's a means to an end <clears throat> so i actually took a job i was uh pursued uh to do financial services so i put on my big boy pants and dropped the summer gig and and, and went and uh, you had a real job went and got a real job suit and tie yep yeah so i remember real jobs aren't so real i've learned not dude. So real. they're not so real it's yeah, i say that in quotes in <laughs> air quotes well, I, I, I mean, I just always felt like, it, I guess now's the time, you know, to get the big boy job. I don't know. And so I, uh, you know, graduated from BYU, took this job. I still remember, like, as part of my signing bonus, um, I, I had to go get, like, custom fitted for a few suits because I had, like, the one suit that barely fit me and stuff. But, hey, I'm up at six now and I got to wear a suit into work and here we go. Power mm -hmm. suit, power tie. So I took that job. Uh, studied for all the exams, you know, I was studying for like the series six and 63 and series seven and all those, um, those exams. And then it must've been six months in, um, I started to hear about solar and, um, you know, some of my mentors over in security kind of told me a little bit about it, Swick and Brown and those guys. And then I had some buddies and I was just so intrigued. And so it's interesting because I got a call one day from Swick and he was like, hey, come down, we'll go meet with Chance. Let's just like talk through it. And um, at the time I was at my like cubicle, they call it the sea of opportunity. <laughs> it was a trick. You don't work there anymore, but you got to get him to change that oh, name, dude. dude. The sea of <laughs> the opportunity. Sea of opportunity. With three walls. Yeah, With three and, walls. And like, oh, people all you around could, like, you on phone. thumbtack stuff into the tweed walls. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so they have you call like all of your low-hanging fruit friends and family members, you know, try and sell them life insurance and stuff like that. And so I remember it was one day where I got off the phone with a buddy I hadn't talked to in a while and uh, called him. We caught up for about 30 minutes. And then I went right into the life insurance pitch and it just felt so like him on the other side was like, man, I thought like this was a buddy calling to catch up and actually this is the sales pitch. And I just felt that pit in my stomach, like this isn't what I wanna be doing right now. But anyway, so then my phone rings, 
uh, went out for lunch, and I actually went in to meet with Chance, and uh, I, never, I never even took my keys back to the building. It's a true story. I was done. Wow. So maybe I'll, maybe I'll end up in financial services again. They had to change again, the locks, David. Yeah, they probably had to change the locks. Where did Madison go? He's got the keys. <laughs> yeah. He's gone, locks. man. So within, I mean, we're talking weeks, uh, I did my due diligence, connected with Ty, um, settled on settled on TO. And so this is what's interesting, I guess, about my progress from the, the security industry to solar, um, is I remember when I was sitting with Chance, I kind of went in with this mindset like, I mean, I've sold, what, 13 to 1500 alarm accounts and actually more than that, you know, I did six summers. So I, I went in there saying, you know, which, which office am I running pretty much? And I still remember to this day, Chance kind of looked at me like, wait, what do you mean? Yeah, yeah which office is, I mean, which offices am I gonna manage? And Chance, he may not remember this, but he goes, oh, that's a good question. Let me ask you one. Um, how many solar accounts do you have? <laughs> and I was like, obviously not yeah like that'd be zero question is that (laughs) and he goes oh okay okay how many solar recruits well none okay yeah there's gonna be plenty of opportunities to manage (laughs) you just got to go out and prove yourself and i'm thinking well that's not the start that i thought you know and it just it was it was it was an interesting conversation but it was so necessary because i came in thinking hey i sell a lot of accounts yeah i mean which office am i going to run uh, so I still remember conversations with Ty back then, um, who's been just an amazing mentor to me throughout this whole, this whole journey. But I remember he told me, he said, you just have to make yourself the clear choice. And so that really hit home. And then we know, at, you know, subsequent conversations, um, Ty just told me, go and beat people so badly. I mean, that was pretty much his language. If you remember, mm-hmm. it's like beat people to a pulp, like just beat them so badly that you're the obvious choice and ultimately it'll open up more doors for you. Because I wanted to manage. I mean, I knew that I had made the mistake. I had plenty of opportunity to grow before, but I made the decision, I'm just gonna produce. You know, and I t- would take buddies out, but that's really, I didn't have a growth mindset at all back right. then. And, and I, I regretted that. And so I knew going into this, it was gonna be different. I was willing to this was get your, uncomfortable. This was your- Dave Matson 2.0. Yeah, 2.0. I had you made the decision. It. Like when he came in, you could feel it. He wasn't there to play. I, I don't know if you felt that. I certainly felt that way mm-hmm. when I came oh, yeah. into this to this job. It's yeah. just that was kind of the feeling back then. Is it's like okay, I get a chance to start over in direct sales. Nobody gets that for the positive. Some people have to, or they make a weird choice with companies or something. But yeah. I'm always excited when I feel the energy of someone coming in. That's like okay, watch. Well, you you had the platform of Vivint, right? And I think when we all got started in home security, there was a little bit of a feeling of, man, um, I didn't time this one very well, like coming in my entry into the home security space. And unless you're just unbelievable, it's pretty tough to like rise through the ranks, right? And um, when solar started, knowing that we had the the platform and this engine of Vivint behind it, and then it was like a, a like a, a fresh clean whiteboard. Yeah, and it was like yeah. we're about to draw the org chart. Who's gonna be in the org chart, right? So, I think we all came into this with just this mentality of, you know, it's like we landed on America, and it was a re- it was just a land grab. Yeah, and I and I certainly felt that coming into it, I was ready, mm-hmm. and I knew, I knew I had what it took, and I knew I was willing to do anything. I, I mean, I'm, I've never been afraid of hard work, you know, and it's, I have an ability to engage and stay engaged and I was ready for that. Um, and my perspective, had started changing by now. I was a dad, you know, I had a little girl at the time who was one probably. Yeah, and, um, how old's Tenley now? She's six. Yeah. yeah. So she would have been one. She's yeah. So That's anyways, I, I was ready to go. And so the messaging was so perfect because Ty, he had started this this thing in TO, and the structure was there, the the culture was there, and I was ready just to plug in and just beat people. And I made that decision that I was going to, and um, you know he kept saying, "Change the game, like let's just do something here and let's do it together that nobody's ever seen." And so I started. I don't know. My first accounts were probably like the end of May, is what it was back coming up on five years ago, and so I had. 
I, I just went out and said, I'm gonna sell, I'm gonna sell five ACs a day or whatever it yeah, takes. Yeah, he was doing between like, what, 18 and like 22 a week Yeah, I didn't or know something. any different. You know, it was like when, you, when we said, hey, beat everyone so badly, everyone showed up to the fight with BB guns and Dave brought like a tank. Like, it was just like, <laughs> is this good? We're like, yes, that's good. Well, that's, <laughs> You're gonna need that. And I remember those conversations. I, would, I was throwing up five a day and asking Ty like, I mean, is that, Will this do it? I'm like, well, yeah, yeah, a couple just, people close. Keep going. Yeah, yeah. keep going. So I Ty shuts off quick stats so you can't see it. And oh, yeah. he's just telling you, no, you got a lot of people on your tail. Well, and I made the decision like, okay, I'm going to minimize distractions. Uh, if it's not something that is absolutely necessary in my life or bringing value, bringing happiness, uh, I'm just getting it out. And so, I mean, even group me, like I would shut it off during the day. I would, I would absolutely just shut off anything that didn't carry significant importance uh, from my life. And I went out and every single day was um, at least by noon on doors, usually earlier. But that was the latest that I would, at latest acceptable time for me. And if you ask my wife, this, from, from the time I started to the end of that quarter, I mean, it was 10 p.m. every night. So I'm in the door, I'm on the doors from noon to nine or even longer every day. When you gotta remember too, back then the pay scale was, you could earn, what, maybe 300 bucks a kilowatt if you yeah. yeah, so I signed up for 265 a kilowatt. And we were in Thousand Oaks where the system size was? Three and a half, four. Yeah, I was yeah maybe three, four and a half. I was like a 2.9 at my 100th install, was my average. So I remember. <laughs> so I remember, maxing that pay scale out on kilowatts in a in a three kilowatt average. Basically, oh yeah, because the pay scale was kilowatt based. So yeah, the only way you could max that was three fifty. Three hundred fifty kilowatts. So try maxing that out, you know, with three kilowatts per deal. But it was coastal. You no do the math. AC. You need a hundred. You need a hundred installs to max that pay scale. You need hundred installs. Yeah. yeah, it's crazy. So, so I remember back then. I mean, it was. It's funny because sometimes you hear people saying, "Oh man, like." volume was easier back then but you have to remember what we went through the game's just different now right like the challenges are just are different because back then what constituted an ac was uh, a signed paper contract at ac a welcome call at, at AC. ac the welcome call was intense you know uh and then um you didn't get a design until site survey complete so back then we had a site survey we backlog and then it took time to, so you would. The site survey was a backlog plus the CAD was a backlog. You're talking a month. And so here I am throwing up all these accounts and I didn't get my first install until I had over 100 ACs. Let it sit in, let it sit in. What? Yeah. And it's because back then, like you couldn't even generate a CAD for almost a month. Site survey had to be done, all that stuff had to be done. So in Thousand Oaks, and this is where the story starts to get intense. I don't know how deep you guys want me to go, but yeah. here I've got accounts coming in like mad. I mean, I made the decision, going back to the personal standard, that no matter how many accounts I have to close, no matter how much account maintenance I have to do, I'm never going to slow the front end of the pipe because I never want to get to the point where I don't have accounts progressing to each bucket. And so I made the decision that no matter what's going on, I'm, I'm putting new, new accounts into the pipe daily no matter what, even if I have referrals. So if I had two referrals on a Tuesday, that would be additive volume. I wouldn't just say, cool, I have two today. Those don't count. I still had to go get my, my well, volume from knocking. You, you set the referrals at what? Eight o'clock at night or whatever. Yeah, so or noon, right? Yeah, I would never, noon. never schedule anything. I just wouldn't do it during the day. I wouldn't let that interfere because that's a customer that I already have, right? They're not mm. going anywhere. Um, and so I would always schedule it later. If I'd call, uh, uh, you know, hey, Maria, your daughter gave me your number. Oh, yeah, I'm excited. Let's meet. Can you come at five? No, I can't. I can come at eight, you know, and, and, and I, well, I can't tonight at eight. I'd push it out if I had to because that's an account that I'm going to yep. sell. But anyways, this is where I started to really, I was introduced, I guess, to the solar coaster because think of it this way. ACs, I didn't know any better, but that's a more difficult AC. I mean, they're signing a paper contract. That thing was gnarly. Was, yeah, right. Thirty-six inches long. Remember? Thirty-six inches long. <laughs> it was a tri you trifolded it. Yeah. You trifold yeah. that. Oh yeah, you took origami classes to fold those things into your. Yeah. <laughs> so you had that. You know, you're checking credit. You're 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 doing a welcome call. You're scheduling all that stuff. So there's that. Um, 
there was a delay to get your CADs. Well, in my city, and Ty's going to chuckle because this was a this was a real thing. But I worked in Oxnard, which at the time was going through financial issues, and so they were doing unnatural things. It was really weird. Like they pretty much pa- paused all permit submittals there, and what was happening is they were using our CADs to find structural violations on the property. So what they would do is they'd take our CAD and they'd say, "Wow, at 1412." You know, Green Street, it show Vivint Solar is indicating a patio, but we don't see that on file. So they were sending out mailers with a $2,000 fine and saying that until that was paid and fixed, they would not issue the solar permit. So I'm getting calls from customers saying, first of all, this never would have happened if not for you. Second of all, who's paying the fine? And, you know, third, like you can go ahead and cancel the solar, you right. know? And it's tough too, because like we're, I remember we're talking. We're like, first of all, when you're selling twenty a week, you catch it three or four weeks later, and there's already forty to sixty accounts. Yeah, that are so flying. it's it's exponentially increased. Yeah. And you know, you go through the thing where you're like, okay, well, first of all, lady, I didn't not permit the deck, but they're still canceling, right? <laughs> yeah. So yeah. Yeah. yeah, either even if you get them off your <laughs> you know back with that whole thing, either way, you're not getting the you're deal. You're not getting the account. Oh, dude. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> dude, we had to go in with the legal team and, and meet with county officials and city officials and trying to get this fixed. So it became real at this point that it wasn't just slamming panels on roofs. I mean, I'm out here. I still remember uh, midway through the summer, my, my wife asked us how much money we had made. And I was like, well, nothing yet, babe. Like, we're still like, you know, climbing the mountain. And then she asked how much we would have made to that point had we done alarms. And I remember thinking about that. I'm like, dang, like, we'll get there, you know? But I learned early on um, some lessons that have, that have absolutely helped me over the last few years. And I'll get to that in a second. But, but so we started to finally find solutions with these permits. I finally start getting some permits through, right? Well, I still remember one of my first installs ever. It was a section of the neighborhood where I had just installs for days on the calendar, ready to go. And we got there and they were canceling because our ladders and our trucks were too short to safely get our technicians up on the roof, right? And so, okay, go to Home Depot, hire one of those like hydraulic lift systems to get, you know, it was like, I just had to find solutions. I, I implemented a power hour where two to three hours a day, I would, I would set aside time to comb through my accounts, email CAD, email legal about the issue with the city, all this stuff. And I look back and it was a total disaster and a total mess, but I look back and I'm so much better for it because I developed these systems that have become non-negotiables for me for the last four years. When it comes to like a power hour every single day to comb through accounts and progress them, but also for like personal development, it's something that is a non-negotiable. I do two a day. So I do two power hour sessions every single day just to ensure that I'm I'm moving my business, but I'm also carrying out the other duties and obligations I have in leadership and hope and, and bettering my craft. So I implemented that early on as a result of this. Out of necessity. Out of necessity. Um, but then, you know, it's, it's hard to avoid the emotion. So add on this, our, our, we had a competitor that was right across the street from us that learned of who was, this. Who was, who was born out of our office. Born out they of our office. Our former manager. Right? Yeah, they left our office, went across the street, put on a different shirt. Put on a different shirt. They learned of the volume that I was pushing through this city. And so it's public information, permit information. So they were going and getting my permits that were stuck because of the issues there. And they were going and pulling up house to house to all of my permitted accounts and trying to undercut them and steal the business. So I had that too. I mean, I had site surveyors that were helping me that would get to the neighborhood and they'd like go around the neighborhood to see if they saw the competitor there trying to steal my, so I had all these things against me. And they were me. installing without a permit in like They were installing days. without a permit to get them up. So they'd undercut it and just install the next day. So the 117 would have been like 140. Yeah. So that's the interesting thing is I submitted more permits that quarter than I did installed. So it's not like I had this crazy carryover. I actually had 40 accounts that didn't get installed that could have, you know? And you did 60 the following quarter. Yeah. So the volume was there for sure. Um, but, but only 60 the following quarter. Yeah, I mean, that's a, it was a down quarter, man. <laughs> it was a down quarter. 
Ty had conversations with me. That <laughs> you got pulled in the I office. I got pulled in the office. <laughs> but I learned that, so this, this, is, this is one of the lessons that I learned early on that is so important. In solar, if, if you're not getting some bad news every single day, it's because you're not working hard enough. You just don't have the accounts where you could have resulting bad news, right? Or you're bad not recruiting like- hard enough. A, a roof hold you weren't expecting, a customer that gets, that gets undercut and cancels because of a competitor, a bad review, um, something unforeseen. Mm-hmm. If you're pushing volume and you're recruiting and you're carrying out all the assignments that we, that we have in this job, every single day passionately and you're using all your time, you're gonna have bad news every day, for sure. For sure. The only time I've never had bad news is if I was out of town, out of town or something, and I wasn't pushing accounts through. And so I learned that you have to outpace the bad news, and that's the trick. So I'm not going to get I'm not going to get paralyzed because of some bad news or a customer that 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 cancels because I know that today I'm still going to win the day. I just have to outpace it. So going into the day, I just expect that something will probably go wrong because it's solar, right? I mean, it's a significant process. There's different entities involved. It's, it takes time, right? And, and so I learned every single day that I had to outpace that bad news and win the day and never have a zero day, never had a bad day. And I had programs and accountability systems to hold myself to that. So even today, if I get a text from a customer that cancels, it's not like I'm not bummed. You know, I think that's a normal emotion. But there is no way that text from that customer is going to render me useless the rest of the day. I'll go get two more. So I still won the day. And that's the lesson I learned. So finally, these accounts started coming through. And uh, I mean, it was, I had an install pace of nine point something accounts a week, you know, being installed. You know, I had several weeks where it was in the teens. um, And it started to get fun putting up that volume. And so finished my first quarter, first full quarter ever with 117 installs. Um, and I still look back on that obviously with fondness because I know what went into that. And I think a lot of people out there probably would rather install maybe less and not have to do that. But that's something that, that will live, you know, with me for the rest of my life. And I learned so many lessons from it that I'm grateful for it and opened up a lot of doors. So that, that uh, challenge that was issued by Chance and by you uh, to go and just make myself the, the clear choice and, and beat people badly. It's, it, uh, it opened up doors. I had opportunities after that. Had the chance to open up Riverside and, and have been there ever since and have had region opportunities to, to work with my best friends. Um, and that's, that's, I mean, that's something that I take a lot of pride in. And I think that's why I've been told before that I'm unrecruitable. <laughs> and I mean, I've had executives from companies call me and ask, offer me one time specifically a whole lot of money. And what's so interesting is never thought about it for two seconds. I was almost mad they called me, you know? And I think that's, I'm, loyalty to me is something that is so important. And I've learned that as well, because if not for that, like I, I work with my best friends and I work with people that inspire me so much every day just to be a better person and made a lot of money and and have really grown, you know, as, as a result of being here. So I think those lessons in TO, that, that's just the tip of the iceberg, honestly. And you know, like, mm-hmm. it was challenging. And it was funny, like, being your DM at that time. First of all, that was my best quarter, installing. I did 70. Dave beat me by 47. <laughs> like, I was beat so badly by double what most people do. Yeah, I remember watching that that quarter and watching you guys and just wondering like what in the heck is happening like because yeah. you came out of nowhere into the solar scene and I never worked it at Vivint so I didn't know you I'd never heard of you and all of a sudden I'm like who is this guy and Ty's like no 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 he was really really good at Vivint too like he's you know he was really good and he came over and he's just on a different level than everyone right now so it's really awesome because I think a lot of times I'm glad that you gave a lot of context because I think a lot of our newer reps just think, oh, they don't go through the same sort of adversity we do with our accounts, or they don't have the same holds, or they don't have to, you know, they have 
things they do to get accounts through, but it's like you had all the same stuff that everybody else has and you just figured it out. Yeah, and I would argue that, that high producers go through more of it right. than anybody else. Yeah, of course. You've had more cancels than any other person. You've had more permits not get installed than you've just taken more shots. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? I think um, the the thing that you kind of keep going back to is kind of this code. I think part of the reason that it worked is we had a code. We wanted to change the game. We wanted to do more than anyone had ever done. And uh, I think when you're driven by that, I remember. Oh, this is the kind of the cap to the story. Dave called me at one point and said, uh, "Hey, if I do." A hundred installs in a quarter. There was a new iPhone coming out. It would have been what, like the iPhone five? Yeah, something like that. Something like that. And he said, "If I do a hundred accounts, will you buy me the new iPhone?" And I answered in the affirmative to that. <laughs> <laughs> and then, and then, and then he kept going. And he's like, "Hey, I think I'm going to be able to do 115 accounts. If I do 115, will you buy my wife an iPhone?" And so that, that <laughs> Dave, Dave earned two iPhones that quarter, and. That's a standing incentive to anybody in the company that if you can install 115, we'll even say, I'll get you and your wife a new iPhone. 100 accounts. 100 accounts. No, that's only one iPhone for 100. Dude. <laughs> it's only one iPhone. <laughs> you, hey, the world gives you what you ask for, right? Um, so that, honestly, like, I think that tenacity and that grit is, is what has made you successful. Um, maybe talk about the transition from salesperson to leader because that happened pretty quick after that, but people don't remember. We have guys coming up now and say, hey, I hit 14, can I get some DM percentage? And people don't understand that that quarter that Dave did 117, you were a 0% DM. Things were done a little bit differently that, back then, but you were fighting for the opportunity. Yeah. Um, and I always knew you as a high producer, but I never knew you uh, in the sales leader days. And personally, for me, probably my... Um, maybe the funnest thing for me to see is that, like that just, I didn't know, frankly, I mean, I knew you were great, but I didn't know how, how well you do in a DM role. I didn't know how well you do in a director role and you've surpassed every expectation. Maybe, maybe talk about that transition and what was different and maybe advice for people that are good at selling that want to transition then to the next step. What's the difference? Well, I think, I think the biggest thing is the initial approach is so important because when I came into chance at the beginning, it was like, what you got for me, like which team's mine, you know? And so I think maintaining a place of humility is so important because all you have to do around here is just look to your left or to your right or straight ahead and there's probably somebody better than you. I mean, that's what's so exciting about working here. And so it's so important to maintain a place of humility and to just put yourself in a position where you're the clear choice. And then with that, I mean, I, I had leadership opportunities once I got down to Riverside where I was probably thrown in the fire maybe even too early, you know, you could argue where I just kind of had to figure things out. Um, but what I've learned, you know, because after that, shortly after opening Riverside, I was put in a divisional role at the time where I was over through four teams or something at the time. And then shortly thereafter, we had some region changes where um, I was put in a director role. And at that time, I still remember like pulling an all nighter thinking like, here we go, you know, like that happened fast. And I am. Do you remember in, that call when I called you? Remember oh, what time I remember it was? The call. Oh, I remember the call. I also remember the hotel stays for the next several weeks and stuff while we traveled around. Yeah, we had a really prominent leader leave, and Dave and Taylor got that phone call at like it was probably one. Oh yeah. One o'clock in the morning, just after because we just knew we had to get in front of every leader the next day. But I, I just remember, I, I felt humbled. Obviously, I felt maybe like I wasn't ready. Uh, but I decided that the one thing that would not be questioned is my effort and um, just the, the, the dedication to my guys. I just decided that I would never say no. Like anything that they needed, I was there to help them. And so I, the one thing I was good at is I, uh, I was good at putting in full days and being really passionate about my work and being passionate about my friends and, and doing my best to to grow and, and put myself in positions that are maybe a little bit uncomfortable. And so I really leaned on you, which I have so much gratitude for, for the leadership over the years because I couldn't have done it without the mentorship. So I really leaned on Ty and he knows that. But then a lot of the leaders throughout the company too, it, I, I had to be in a place where I could be teachable. And I just had to have this relentless pursuit every day of personal development and team development and what can I do to provide value at any opportunity. And I realized that 
producing still was key to that because it made the trainings and the recruiting opportunities so much more impactful. What's been so good about like what I realized early on in when I was kind of thrusted into that role, I felt like I was ready for the challenge and I just decided, you know what, like recruiting, you can really make an impact. And I felt like I was a good recruiter. I got better. Um, but because of my consistency and my standard with personal production and with my team production, it opened up so much recruiting opportunity for me that I never would have had. So it made recruiting a lot easier. It's kind of like when you sell high volume of accounts, all of a sudden you have another network of accounts coming through through referrals and stuff. People wanted to be uh, around high producers. And so we had some early recruiting wins. Branson Hadfield came over and everyone knows that name. John Woodfield came over. And so suddenly we had all this negative momentum starting to, the, the tide started to turn. Yeah. And we got some key players that were, I mean, I've learned more from those guys than they've learned from me, I'm sure. And so it was just a, a perfect opportunity to bring them on when we did and just challenge the status quo. I, I was able to start developing as a leader when I decided I was going to dedicate every moment that I had to developing myself and providing value to people around me. And, and I still have a long way to go. But when you compare where I'm at with that mindset now to back when I went into Chance's office the first day, I mean, I'm sure it's miles apart. It's a different guy. Yeah. I have a, a journal that I keep every day, and sometimes it's just a couple lines. And in preparing for this, I have a, you have a, a, a hashtag in my journal. It's tagged, so I can find it by theme, and there's a Dave Madsen tag. But in looking at it, there was one day, I don't know if I ever told you this, um, spend a lot of time together, Dave. We do. Um, but <laughs> we there's, do. One, there's one tag where I was talking to Jeremy Long. He was saying, hey, how's Dave doing as a leader? And I was like, he is recruiting so many people right now. And Jeremy goes, eh, it's easy to recruit when you're the best. So the name of the, the journal entry is, is, it's easy to recruit when you're the best. And it was such an awesome lesson because a lot of your themes, like when you activate this magnet, when you, when you a lot of people think, oh, it's a grind to go out and produce. Nobody wants to work with a professional or with a, with a personal trainer that's out of shape, right? You want to work, work with the guy that looks the best. And so it just reminds me that a lot of times that's the thing that you can do to help yourself the most. And it was just awesome for me to have that experience secondhand because he's like, oh, yeah, it's easy to recruit when you're the best. Yeah. And I was like, it's easy to recruit <laughs> when you're the best. That's right. Mind it just blow. makes all of our efforts so much better. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's, that's really that's, – that, is so true. So we had, we had early recruiting wins and I decided I was still going to push the limits with production, do whatever I can to help grow, do whatever I can to, to help bring value to other people. But honestly, like just be a positive presence wherever you go is something I've tried to be. My wife has told me I'm annoyingly positive sometimes. I don't do well. I think she said you're I, annoying and you added the positive because yeah, you are a positive thinker. Yeah, she probably did. <laughs> you should ask her. But I, I, I have, I have this, it's just like a, a personality, um, maybe it's a flaw, I don't know, you tell me, but I have like this allergy to pessimism and to negativity and I know actually that you have the same and I, and, and I know Adam does too, but I, I can't I don't understand it, right? And so, like, if I'm in a room and there's just negativity, there's that feel like, oh, it's like get, it's like a disease, like get it off of me, and I'll just your leave, body, you know, physically repels it. It, it does. Your body repels it. It's like mm. I don't. It's like the magnet. I I can't get close to no, it. I'm I, gonna get sick if I get. That's close right, to it. and that's it's a real thing, and and sometimes it probably frustrates my wife, uh, but I I I've tried to be in my career. Hopefully, and certainly not perfect, I can tell you that. I have my moments. But I've tried to be the guy that's, that's smiling, that's trying to radiate some energy, and wherever I go. And I think that has helped me in leadership grow as well because, I mean, it's no fun to be around a guy that's dragging and hardly wants to be there and is kind of bringing down the morale. So I think for those leaders out there that are in their pursuit for more opportunities, it's you got to get out there and you got to beat everybody and beat them badly stay humble while you're doing it. I mean, one thing that my dad told me when I was young, he, my dad's uh, had a successful career. He's an attorney and he's 
nationally recognized at what he does. And my dad's the most humble guy you'll ever meet in your entire life. I mean, if he, if it's not like the shoes on sale for $20, you won't buy them and like the $50 watch. Um, that's why I wanted to win the revolution last year. I got him a nice little upgraded watch, no, right. you know, but <laughs> uh, my, I remember asking my dad one time, like, you're so good. Um, I just remember thinking one day, like, he's just so humble. I don't understand why he carried himself in just such a place of humility, being someone who is recognized at what he does. And I remember my dad told me, he said, um, if you have to tell someone how good you are, you're probably not that good. You know, they already know. Brother Madsen for the win. Yeah, I mean, and and I've learned a lot of those lessons from my dad. He's been my right-hand man uh, throughout my entire life. But if you're one of those guys that has to go around telling people how good you are and what you've done, you're probably actually not that great. And there's probably actually somebody that's better than you. And so I think, you know, embrace this challenge from humility, beat people so badly that everybody knows who you are and you don't have to be a some self proclaimed King right. for a LeBron James reference. <laughs> um, but, uh, I think that, I think that's helped as well. And then just, you know, provide value as much as you can. Your relationship with your dad's interesting to me because, um, maybe as one of the perks of the job, you two together, Adam and Dave are like the most, you guys know more about sports than any people I know. Uh, My guy. literally like <laughs> Dave, it's incredible what Dave knows about sports. I, maybe just, maybe it just seeps into your veins when you're not paying attention, but well, it's like you with pop culture. Yeah. Right? It's just it's like just, somehow it stays in your brain. Yeah. I know who Miley Cyrus is dating. You know who that there was a draft <laughs> apparently last night that was a really big deal. Anyway, um, <laughs> I told him, I'm like, hey, do you know who Greg Popovich is? And he's like, uh-uh. And, I, and I'm like, no, I said, who, who, who drafted him or something? Who drafted I go, him? I go oh, he's the coach of the Spurs. I'm like, I'm going to send you an article. And he's like, okay. So, oh, dude, he's going to eat that article up. The one thing about David Ty Robinson, is he knows though. more about sports than he leads on. He, he, he yeah, likes to play This down. is the point. You and your dad. One of the perks of the job is you guys both love sports. Yep. And it's been fun for me to see that. Well, maybe you could talk about this for just a second before we wrap up. But one of the perks of the job is you guys enjoy your time together. You go to pretty much every BYU game. And it was funny because in the summer, or in the, uh, in the office, we had a standard and we had a schedule that everyone had to keep. And during college football season, Dave wasn't around many Saturdays. And zero people had a problem with that. Right, And it was like... Uh, you know, he's like, "Hey, I'm not going to be here on Saturday." I'm like, "Okay, you're already at 19 and football games. Bro. You're at 19 and 11 for the. We're not going to go for so. not the action either. Yeah. No, but has it been has it been a thing for you to work hard? And then that's probably one of the small benefits is now to be able to do that stuff with your dad. Most people can't do stuff oh, like that. Yeah, I mean, and that's been a part of our lives my entire life. Uh, going back to the loyalty thing, we're the biggest BYU and Milwaukee Brewers fans that you'll ever meet. <laughs> so if you want to ever question my loyalty, <laughs> I will remind you who I follow in the sports world. But my dad, yeah, I mean, we, we've been best buds my entire life. And, and uh, every year we, so we just have different things we do every single year that, that mean a lot to me. Uh, you know, obviously BYU football, that's, that's a big thing. So we go around to games and then March Madness every single year, since I was really young, we hit regional sites together and these that are just, they go to the day with lots of games. They don't oh, want to yeah. go to the playoffs cause there's less games. Back to back to back to back games. Yeah. Uh, and so that's been, that's been a big, um, benefit of this job. And it's one of the big things, I guess, one of the higher purposes, like, you know, people ask me all the time, what, what keeps me, you know, what's the driver? And honestly, like it's opened up a whole new world and I just see things differently, uh, you know, being a dad and, 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 you know, having these relationships with my own father and obviously, um, having my wife, I want, I want experiences to be a big part of their life and because experiences have been a big part of mine. And I look forward to these the entire year. Nothing's going to get in the way of them. So it helps me with my production. It helps me stay on track because I know I have to earn that. Um, but also I think this job just affords the opportunity to, I keep going like I do for so many different reasons. You know, it's it, it, one, the biggest thing is my family. I want, I want my kids to experience any opportunity that comes to them. I want them to go to whatever school that they want to go to. I want them to play any sport they can. You know, I remember growing up, I had a buddy where he could only pick one basketball camp to go to with me because it was the only thing they could afford, you know? And so, and, and then I'm really big, and this is just from my dad again, like he's, 
he's extremely proactive and 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 thinks long term and thinks ahead. But I I I'm very big on preparing for the future. I just don't want anything to surprise me. And I've had certain events in my life that have kind of strengthened that, I guess. Um, you know, I've had we had a really scary incident right when we moved to TO with my daughter. Yeah. I can actually never talk about it without turning into a baby. But we thought <laughs> She's like the one person that can do this to me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think all of our daughters do. Yeah, that's so, right. So. I remember this too. I remember. It's funny people don't know the backstories of what's going on. Like you know, Dion Sanders was talking about Ida's. Remember? Yep. Wasn't Ida? I'd come to I I had to beat you if I didn't get my high school girlfriend pregnant. People would say, "Well, I'd have beat Dave if I was in Ojai." But right. I remember what you're about to talk about. I remember the permits. I remember the scare with your daughter. And anyway, just a testament to your. Yeah, stamina. I mean, it was just it was just a good uh, reminder for to, for for me what life's all about. I mean, we almost lost her, um, and she's doing great now. But and in fact, I had a crazy injury growing up too. So I've had a couple of incidents in my life where it's well, like they couldn't figure out what was wrong with her for a while right yeah man she she fell off the couch when she was a year and a half old and maybe a little younger um and uh knocked you know hit her head and and went into a seizure and stopped breathing and mm. lost all went completely limp you know well just uh, imagine went unconscious. not being able to help because of means because of finance right, right. Like, there's no just, amount of money yeah oh i think i think we had a hundred and forty thousand dollar hospital bill show up after that, you know? And so that, to me, to be able to ensure that you're prepared for those life events, we don't know. You never know what can happen. And so I just, I want to ensure that my family's prepared for anything. Um, And uh, that's one of the drivers every single day. You just never know. And I think back on these experiences and and, uh, I think it's really strengthened me. I mean, I've come a long way, like we've talked about, and just the way that I prioritize things in my life and that's that's to look i signed up for 200 bucks a kilowatt right and now the pay scales it's like we we talk about buying back years of our lives uh we'll never have an opportunity like this ever again i joke how we have hundreds of guys that make more money than Aaron Judge will make this year. It's just ridiculous to me. Aaron you know? Judge, the commentator or he played <laughs> a coach. No. He played at Nova, right? Hey. Nova Nova? Oh, you didn't you weren't at that Yankees game, were you, a couple weeks ago? No, hey, it's probably Yankees, not. But. We're about out of time, but I know every time we talk to top performers, a lot of our new guys just want to know, and this is kind of quickly, what your schedule is. Like what's your daily schedule? Can you give us you know, 60 to 90 seconds, kind of what's your, maybe when you first started, even even verse now. Yeah. So it's changed a little bit, you know, obviously just with role changes, but you know, up by six, I know a lot of people, yeah, I'm, I can't, I can't pull off the 450 Jocko style, but six is like good for me to get up, get enough done. So, um, right when I get up in the morning, it's, uh, it's, it's either the immediate power hour or it's the gym. And those two are kind of interchangeable, but I do both of those first thing in the morning. So every single day, hitting the gym just to get your mind right. Um, plus, it's something that I enjoy. I'm a little injured right now, so I can't do much, but I at least I at least get out there, you know, throw up some free throws. But then I do my first power hour right in the morning. And I'm telling you, like the two power hour sessions I do a day have absolutely helped me more than I can say mm-hmm. because it keeps me on track on track with my accounts. But it also I catch up on emails, contact customers, reps, um, personal development stuff, read. So I do one in the morning to start off the day, and then I do one to close my day at night, right before bed. Um, and so I do those two things in the morning, and then depending on the day of the week, most of the time I'm, I'm gone early just because we've got offices to visit, correlations and stuff like that. And so I'm usually, most of the time I just shower at the gym and go. When you were first, very first selling, were you still leaving your house pretty early? You said... On the doors usually by noon. I was on, so if it was, um, yeah, obviously correlation days was immediately to area after that. Non-correlation day, I was leaving the house. I had to drive up to Ohio is where I was selling, but I was out of the house by 11 at the late. Foot on pavement by noon was my thing, period. You know, or earlier, um, which I don't think a whole lot of guys start that early. And you sell right till now. how late? 
And then, I mean, those are the sacred hours at night. There was nothing p- pulling me off the doors early, no matter Six what. Six days a week? Six days a week, yeah. And if that sounds intense to anybody that's listening, it, 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 it's not so much when you know what you want. Like, when I hear what you value, uh, security and don't know what's gonna happen, so not gonna catch me unprepared, all right? Uh, experiences for your family, right? And coming in to do more than anyone had ever done. I think if, if you're hearing this and being like 12 to eight, that's crazy. Well, if you say, if you come in with a code, if you come in with a purpose, it's just what you have to do. If you're out there floating around, those hours are, those hours, they don't make sense. Uh, one thing I wanna say just before I wrap up, I don't know if you would ever say this, but I'll actually say this to you, Adam as well. Um, a common thing amongst high performers, and this is the part where maybe Jess or Magdalena can turn their radio up a little bit, <laughs> but I think it's really special that you both speak so highly of your wives, because this is, this is a family job for sure. And I often think like without Stacy like handling life like for me and for my family, you just can't do it. But I think it's really interesting that as I've traveled around with Adam a lot lately and as we've worked together for five years, I don't hear, I hear a lot of support. I know your wife's support, you guys, I know a lot of like secondhand support and stuff, but I think the way you speak about your wife and like your home team is, is really important. So I guess, Jess, if you don't know that, I know that, um, but just thank you. I mean, this is such a family thing, right? I mean, to be able to, to, to allow us to produce at this level, you just don't do that without a solid team. No, and my wife's a, she's an absolute rock star. I mean, I'm home with the three kids for an hour and I can't, I can't, handle it anymore i don't know i don't know how she does it but just it's a way just her harder support, job man. dude it's a way, way harder. harder job yeah her support from the beginning uprooting to california and, and everything the sacrifices everything she does every single day it's she's an absolute rock star so love you babe <laughs> we all love you jess so dave, dave thanks for being awesome. on yeah this has been Good incredible dude guys, thank man. you for sharing and 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 thank you for your constant example it's inspiring a lot of people thank you Thanks for hanging out with us today. This is Electric People. Take these principles and go be electric.